Thanks to Rothy's for supporting Muller, she wrote. Rothy's are the everyday flats for life on the go. They're stylish and versatile, and they go with everything from yoga pants to dresses and skirts. Rothy's always comes with free shipping and free returns and exchanges. Go get yourself a pair today with free shipping at rothys.com, promo code AG. And thanks to Everlane for supporting Muller, she wrote. Would you buy a t-shirt for $50 if you knew it only cost $7 to make? We wouldn't either. With Everlane, you never overpay for quality clothes. And right now, you can check out our personalized collection at everlane.com slash AG. Plus, you'll get free shipping on your first order. Thanks to Best Fiends for supporting Muller, she wrote. Best Fiends is a unique and exciting puzzle experience unlike other puzzle games out there. Best Fiends updates the game monthly with new levels and events, so it never gets old. Download free on the Apple Store or on Google Play. And finally, thanks to Honey for supporting Muller, she wrote. Giving holiday gifts is great. Overspending is definitely not. Why spend more than you have to? Honey makes finding the lowest price easy. Honey finds the best deals online. It's free and easy to use. Shop with confidence at joinhoney.com ag. This is Seth Abramson. I'm the author of Proof of Collusion, and you're listening to Muller, she wrote. So to be clear, Mr. Trump has no financial relationships with any Russian oligarchs. That, that's what he said. I, I, that's what I said. That's obviously what the, the, our position is. I'm not aware of uh, any of those activities. I have been called a surrogate at a time or two in that campaign, and I didn't have not have communications with the Russians. What do I have to get involved with Putin for? I have nothing to do with Putin. I've never spoken to him. I don't know anything about him other than he will respect me. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. So, it is political. You're a communist. No, Mr. Green. Communism is just a red herring. Like all members of the oldest profession, I'm a capitalist. Hello, and welcome to Muller, She Wrote. I'm your host, A.G., and with me today are Jordan Coburn. Hello. And Amanda Reeder. Hello. We have a very big show for you today. We just got our hands on the first underlying evidence released from the Mueller investigation, thanks to a FOIA lawsuit by BuzzFeed. So we'll go over, we'll go over what's in those 302s and hot notes. And for the interview today, we have former Secretary of VA, Veterans Affairs, Obama holdover, and the only Trump cabinet nominee to be confirmed 100 to 0 in the Senate. And his new book, It Shouldn't Be This Hard to Serve Your Country, is out. And it's very relevant. So stick around for that interview. It's really, really great. How are you guys? Good. Yeah, good. Yeah. Halloween was good. Yeah? Yes. What'd you do? Uh, lurked. Lurked? <laughs> <laughs> yes, me and Ryan uh, drove around in the car, actually mostly around your neighborhood, <laughs> which is creepy, because <laughs> you have a lot of really cool decorated houses around here. Yeah, we And do. we wanted to get in the spirit, so we just drove around and looked at like cool houses. I wandered around and my children. neighborhood, and it was really cute, too. Maryland Street in San Diego as mm-hmm. a whole, like they go nuts. There was like a performance. People, there was like a stage in front of someone's house. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I love it. People go all out. Fancy. Yeah. We need to have fun. <laughs> yes, we do. We definitely do. As a society. Yes. <laughs> Especially now. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Some announcements. We've got Boston coming up this week, um, November 7th. This Thursday. Yeah. And... The meet and greet, by the way, for uh, the VIP meet and greet at the venue is that night at 5 p.m., 5 mm-hmm. to 6 p.m. It's a little earlier than normal meet and greet, so I wanted to tell you about that. And then we have a second meet and greet. The next day. The next day. Yeah, and we'll uh, uh, put it in the new... Well, actually, uh, we'll tweet it out. Mm-hmm. Um, we've shared it a few different times, but we'll tweet it out for Muller, she wrote, and we'll pin that tweet so that if you are looking to meet us on this fr- coming Friday, you can find that uh, tweet pinned to the Muller, she wrote feed. And that's from 5 to 7? Five to seven on Friday. And tickets are still available. They're still available. Oh, cool. Yep. So right. we'll tweet it out. So is our that. venue VIP meet and greet sold out? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Cool. It has mm-hmm. been for a while. Nice. But there are uh, regular tickets available. 
Sweet. Yeah, there's still some tickets left. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's it. Uh, Any other interesting announcements that I'm missing? I don't think so. Mm -hmm. Just... This is our last show date on the books for now. Yeah. Yeah. Live show. Mm -hmm. Yeah, live show. Mm -hmm. So if you're close and you're thinking, maybe they'll come to my city after... We might, but we also might not for yeah. a little bit. <laughs> yeah. We'll be doing it as Daily Beans is probably yeah, totally. um, how that's going to go. But yeah. also with this all this new Mueller stuff that's coming out right now, uh, I don't know. Mueller could get an injection and come back from the dead and we'll have to go out and, <laughs> oh, God. and keep touring on this information. And I'm going to get into this later in Hot Notes, but they have enough information to release hundreds and hundreds of pages once a month for at least the next eight years. That's Jesus. how much that 19 billion documents. Yeah. It's like an information financing loan situation. <laughs> right. Just payouts right. for the rest of your mm, life. Every month. Never ends. They mm-hmm. get that pay. So, and and it's all very relevant and very interesting. And a lot of it ties in with what's going on in the, or the current impeachment process with what's going on with Ukraine. And we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, but first, uh, my favorite segment, corrections. It's a mistake. It's hard for me to say I'm sorry. Oh, I made a mistake. All right, from Haley Belknap, in regards to Friday's Daily Beans, a person may sue a sitting president only for past actions, which they took in a personal capacity, like Clinton v. Jones. A person may sue a presidential administration for its acts as part of an agenda, but an individual may not be held accountable for actions as part of an administration's agenda, like personal liability. So Hmm. there is a combo case of environmental shittiness and government accountability. That's Juliana versus the United States uh, in Eugene, Oregon, and they have a website as well. So you can check that out. Cool. Mary O'Brien says the prime rate, we're back on interest rates now, (laughs) is the interest rate that commercial banks charge their most creditworthy customers. The prime lending rate based on federal funds, based on federal funds rate is the overnight rate that banks use to lend to one another. Adjustable home mortgage rates, often quoted as prime plus a percentage, for example, prime plus three, 300 basis points or 3%. And LIBOR, London Interbank Overnight Rate, is used by global banks to loan to each other. Hmm. All right. All right new information very cool kate let's see thorstenson and martin main say on the november 1st daily beans you mentioned prince charles <laughs> as a oh, piercing yes. i believe you meant the oh, prince albert oh <laughs> yes as a willy piercing <laughs> oh, God. Uh, everything oh, God. we got by the way on the difference between prince albert and it's not a prince charles came from the uk um, Amazing listeners in the UK. So thank you. Uh, no, cons- that, guys. <laughs> no consensus whether Prince Albert had his bits pierced. Also, could be one of two royal Alberts. <laughs> if so, theories are a the piercing enabled hooking the schlong to the inside of a trouser to smooth the bulge. Oh God! Or so B, not worth it. Prince Albert had a wonky winky, and it was an attempt to straighten. Or C. Our Albert was a bit frisky and risque and piercing just for fun. Hope oh this was informative. Oh my God. Have yeah. you guys seen a Prince Albert piercing? Yes. Really? Yes. When I, I was like 16 and I was flipping through a book of piercings when I was going to get one done. No, I meant have, like in real life. Oh God, no. Well, no, these are just very realistic pictures oh, okay, taken okay. with like a Polaroid camera gotcha. of people's dicks. So you've seen a picture of women, not I've seen many pictures of them. Yes. <laughs> so many. It's like a family photo album they have at this piercing just place. Just Albert piercings? Just, well, it's of all kind of piercings, okay. but there's a section <laughs> that wow. is just... What about you, AJ? 
Yes. <laughs> oh god, 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 god. Okay, Ouch. and I'm Zach Comins <laughs> wants us to know newbies throwing off your blackjack strategy. That's a myth. Mm. Elliot Jacobson wrote the blackjack zone. A blackjack player plays for the long run. Other players will help or hurt you on occasion. Just calmly stick to the strategy. Stats play out over a large sample size, thousands of hands. Just you and the dealer. <laughs> Card counting will help. <laughs> okay. Also that's a, illegal. That's, I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> Not like uh, I could do it anyway. Yeah, J- uh, let's see. He uh, he also said Jacobson was my computer teacher who wrote this book, anonymously known as the mayor back then. You <laughs> have entered the zone, the blackjack zone. <laughs> John Trant and Cindy Baxter says there is indeed a case where children are suing the government for shitty environment. It's called Juliana versus the United States, as mentioned in an earlier cor- uh, correction. Nice. There is a 60-minute story about it. Hit me up if you need extra press. Love, cool. John. All right. Tom Vogel says, working through the Daily Beans for Katie to clarify an injunction is a judicial order to do something other than pay the other party money. A stay is a pause on any ruling going into effect for a period of time for any reason. Nice. Thank you. Yes. Uh, Alex Murdoch, just a comment on the Canadian election coverage. I don't remember who was talking about Canada not having a tea party, probably Amanda, but we kind of did. And you may be too young to remember Mandy Preston Manning and the Reform Party of Canada from 1987 to 2000, which became the Canadian Reform Alliance Party or CRAP. (laughs) Way to pick the acronym. From 2000 to 2003. It was like how the... um, the committee to reelect the president was creep. Yeah. Have some confidence. Think about it. <laughs> Have a meeting. Uh, and then the Canadian Alliance, now the Conservative Party. Um, <laughs> so there, so there's that. Oh, that's Thanks. funny. And does crap carry the same weight as it does in the United States as a word? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just checking. Yeah. I don't know if it's one Maybe of those crap things is like bloody in... cunt is like yeah. acceptable to say in, this, right. in the UK. Or twat is it like seems. a jerk. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, Franzi Stoppel uh, says regarding the Daily Beans episode, thick trickle down boys. <laughs> can't get over that name. <laughs> it's a huge entertainment media rep- misrepresentation that life insurance won't pay out someone if they die by suicide. In most cases, it will pay out as long as the policy has been in place for two plus years. This prevents people in crisis from scamming insurance companies. I've had my insurance license for 17 years. This is the first thing I learned that surprised me. Now y'all can scream at the TV with me. But no, I don't think so because I think I brought up the two years rule and I think what I wanted them to look into was within the last two years, did they take out an insurance policy mm-hmm. on Epstein or or anything like that? But uh, thank you for bringing that to everyone's attention because I don't think we covered it, uh, that rule. Um, Amy Romano, you wondered <laughs> aloud where the sperm bonking actually happens. <laughs> yes. And you said, is it in the uterus? Yeah, that was me. <laughs> bonk, bonk. <laughs> it's actually in the fallopian tube. The fertilized ah. egg then travels the rest of the way to the uterus and implants on the endometrium. Interesting. So they're doing it on the go. Totally. Down the tell. tube. <laughs> none, of, none of us have ever had Cruising children. Like bonking. Like, what was <laughs> yeah. that, thing, that craze people were doing for a while where they got out of their car and danced next to it while it was moving? That- oh yes, I just saw one of those videos actually. Not That's long what ago. this is. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. That is efficient. The egg's like, come on, I don't got all day, dude. I'm still doing my shit. You're gonna have to follow this egg. I was gonna say bitch, but <laughs> egg. 
Uh, Julia H. said in the uh, the ha- uh, Halloween Daily Beans, AG mentioned Jack Dorsey, Twitter head, was right wing, but based on a quick and dirty Wikipedia search, he listed he's listed as a Democrat. Nice. Uh, I'm not a Twitter user, so not sure if there was more context to this comment, which I could be unaware. I don't. I don't know. I didn't remember hearing either way. I was I just believing what you said. Yeah, I, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not sure. I think it's, I'm not sure if he's espoused like a lot of right wing views out in the open, but I do know that he's prevented, or he's allowed a lot of right wing abuse to happen, and he mm. doesn't deplatform, you know, horrible Donald people. Trump. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's where a lot of the anger comes from. And yeah. we're still not verified. Also, yeah, you conservative. Not verifying. That's us. probably just my own bias. They must be must be Republicans <laughs> since we don't have a blue check mark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably not real. Yep. All right. Well, those are corrections. Thank you so much. If you have any corrections, please head to MullerSheWrote.com and click on contact and then select corrections and build us a compliment sandwich. We'll get it right eventually. And now it's time to hit the news with just the facts. All right. Big news this week is Congress battles the Department of Justice in the courts to get the underlying Mueller grand jury material. Uh, BuzzFeed got a tranche of 302s from the Mueller investigation. I'll go over those in hot notes. But regarding the House Dems lawsuit to get the material filed by the oversight, nope, the Judicial Committee, Judge Beryl Howell ruled last week that the Department of Justice had to hand over the grand jury materials by October 30th. Then the Trump administration filed an appeal and two motions to stop the materials being handed over while they wait for the appeal to be heard. They filed a motion for an emergency stay with Judge Beryl Howell and a motion to stay with the appellate court. Then the appellate court, the next thing to happen in this chronology, the appellate court asked to have until November 5th, that's this Tuesday, to consider the stay. But the next day, Beryl Howe denied her stay, the one she got, saying uh, that the four-prong test indicated a stay was not appropriate because, first, the merits of their case suck. Second, (laughs) because this is a grand jury material uh, and it will remain secret, so it doesn't, you know, have irreparable harm to the party. Uh, and those are the two critical criteria. And Hal said the weak sauce merits was enough to deny the stay altogether. But we'll find out if the appellate court will grant the stay or deny it probably this week and how the Trump administration will react. I imagine if the appellate court denies the stay, Trump will petition SCOTUS to stay the decision until the appeal can be heard. Though I'm not sure you can skip the appeals court like that. But he I don't know. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I'm yeah. sure he'll try everything. We'll find out this week. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned. Dun dun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then from Kyle Cheney's Twitter feed, at Kyle D. Cheney, on October 29th, uh, he had some Flynn updates. Sidney Powell said in a court filing that Flynn is innocent and the FBI altered interview documents and the case should be thrown out. Flynn's Fox News lawyers are saying uh, he, he didn't need to rescind his guilty plea, even though they are contending his innocence because of the deep state Mueller conspiracy and the fact that it's so egregious, they should just throw out the entire case, dissolve the FBI and lock them all up, including the FBI agents <laughs> and the federal prosecutors who worked on the case. They're saying the FBI lied and forced Flynn to admit he lied and that the FBI notes were forgeries to frame him. So this is the OJ defense all over again. That's what, you know, that's what this is. The FBI responded and the response was part of a court filing exhibit saying on January 29th, 2018, the special counsel's office received an email stating that a member of the media had received information that redacted name told the office of the inspector general that deputy director Andrew McCabe pressured redacted name to change the 302 uh, document uh, of the interview of Michael Flynn. After being advised of the identity of the interviewing agent and the nature of the interview, redacted name provided the following information. First of all, McCabe did not pressure 
redacted to change the 302 <laughs> documents of the interview of Flynn. Number two, no one at the FBI pressured Redacted to change the 302. Redacted did not tell anyone that McCabe or anyone else at the FBI pressured him to change the 302. Redacted has no information on any pressure to change the 302. And Redacted says all the information in the 302 is accurate. So, Could that be why they reconvened the grand jury? I don't know. If they were thinking about indicting McCabe on these charges? Uh, but he's not up on these charges. Oh, or maybe, I mean, yeah, I guess they maybe were investigating that. Yeah. But I think they just reconvened the grand jury to indict him for lying. Right. Um, and they said no, uh, which we still don't know yet, but I, yeah. it seems obvious. Um, Rachel Maddow says this defense is so bonkers that we should be on Flynn pardon watch. And I feel like I need a graphic and a noise with dun, 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 <laughs> Flynn pardon watch. Yeah. Just uh, a big light coming from a helicopter in the sky. <laughs> That's just not the sound a helicopter snake. <laughs> that was like a UFO. Sort of thing. Yeah. Because uh, so, she says, like, here's Trump's tweets about Flynn this week. He said, General Michael Flynn's attorney is demanding that charges be immediately dropped after they found that FBI agents manipulated records against him. They say James Clapper told a reporter to take a kill shot at Flynn. This has been a complete setup of Michael Flynn. They exonerated him completely of being an agent of Russia. Recently, Crooked Hillary charged Tulsi Gabbard and Jill Stein with the same thing, sick. And yet Mr. Comey still runs to the White House on February 14th and conjures up the obstruction of justice narrative against the president when Flynn had been cleared of everything long before that. The Department of Justice is withholding a lot of evidence and information as are Clapper and Brennan and all of these people who participated in the complete setup of Michael Flynn. Terrible. <laughs> Sidney Powell, this is a disgrace. Well, then why did you fire him well, if he is such a victim yeah. and has never done anything wrong in his whole life? Yeah, that's the same about Manafort. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is frustrating. It's so frustrating to me when he actually tweets like that. And I don't even think that that's him. That's someone else that has some sort of a hold on any facts that string together to make a full paragraph. But... What were you going to say? I was just going to say, I know I should probably be following Donald Trump on Twitter considering the shows that I help host sometimes, but I don't because I can't. Yeah. Well, you always wind up seeing <laughs> yeah, it anyway because yeah. there's always, uh, first off, there's one asshole comedian that's in my followers that always likes his shit so mm. that it always pops up on my newsfeed because so and so mm. like Donald Trump's tweet. So there's that. But you always wind up seeing it anyway, it seems, totally. if it's like a big, stupid one. Exactly. I just can't let that ruin my day, man. Yeah. But then when he... Sorry. I was just going to I don't follow him and I have all this information. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because you, you find out when he really goes off the rails. Mm -hmm. I don't need the general stuff. I don't need like the good morning. I don't need that. Yeah. I'm just, I need to the American hero but, and the, the Photoshop dog. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's. It, it, was this like a, was this like a nine part rant? Yeah, it was, a, it was a, a thread. A three or four part tweet. Yeah. He does enjoy thread. Yeah. And but he doesn't thread it right. No, <laughs> I don't thread it right either. I've tried and I fuck up every time. How do you do it? Do you press the add another tweet button? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, all right. Now you can't, once you tweet one tweet out, you can't go back and add on to it. Right. You have to do it all from like the beginning. Interesting. Well, I'm just going to stay away from threads. <laughs> Probably a good idea. You can do that too. But yeah, Flynn watch. Yeah, yeah, dun, 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 dun. Mm -hmm. yeah. What what Pardon. I was going to say though, on this. when he puts out tweets like this that have so many details, his base obviously isn't following the nuances of all the stories. So it's more or less just complete rambling yep. that I don't know applies. But they believe him to like the Sean Hannity and people that actually have any idea of even remotely what is going on. Well, remember that. Um, 
someone at Politicon who said, hey, you know, my Fox News watching relative thinks that the only thing that's real is what Sean Hannity says. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So they'll they'll believe him when they, they say that the FBI tampered with the 302s. They'll believe him when he said, mm-hmm. like, it's yeah. just all. Yep. So lame. Yep. All right. Uh, we have a lot more to get to today. So just stick around for one quick minute. Hey, it's AG, and this episode of Muller She Wrote is brought to you by Rothy's Shoes, the everyday flats for life on the go. Rothy's are beautiful, stylish shoes for women and girls that are made from recycled plastic water bottles. Not only are they sustainable and machine washable, they are literally the most comfortable shoes I've ever worn. I have three pairs. I have the loafer, the point, and the flat, all in black, and I absolutely love them. They're slip-on and breathable. They're incredibly versatile. They're great for the boardroom, cocktail parties, or casual yoga attire. And Rothy's Shoes come in a wide range of styles, and they launch new patterns and colors every week, and they're constantly selling out. My current favorite is the new limited edition Scarlet Check Pattern Loafer. The coolest thing about these shoes is that they're made of recycled water bottles, and to date, Rothy's has kept over 35 million plastic bottles out of oceans and landfills. Rothy's have over a thousand nearly perfect reviews online, and BuzzFeed recently called them their forever shoes. Plus, Rothy's always comes with a free shipping and free return guarantee and free exchanges. No risk, no worries, no reason not to try them out. So check out all the amazing styles available right now at rothys.com slash AG. Go to rothys.com, that's R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash AG to get your new favorite flats. Comfort, style, and sustainability. These are the shoes you've been waiting for, so head to rothys.com slash AG today. You'll be glad you did. All right, so apparently there was a dissent that erupted at Facebook over Mark Zuckerberg's hands-off stance on political ads. And, uh, of course, we know what Jack Dorsey did on Twitter. Jordan, you're going to go over that. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. Might as well do it right now. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so there's a lot of social media. No, wait, wait, wait. Okay, right now. Oh, perfect. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. Right now? And now. Right now. Okay. Um, So there was a lot of... (laughs) Only because of the rule of three did I not continue that. (laughs) There was a lot of social media election intersection news this week. That's what I'm calling it. Isn't that uh, adorable? I like it. Election intersection. Erection selection Erection. and election intersection. <laughs> Love a good action. Um, so mostly <laughs> mostly that this has all been related to Zuckerberg's decision to allow any and all political ads to run virtually unchecked on their platform without any amount of fact checking whatsoever. That's the position he took and it's what he's maintaining. Uh, the decision's obviously been highly controversial and shitty, if you ask us. And I say that it was a decision made by Zuckerberg and not that it was made by Facebook because there are a lot of Facebook employees employees who are really pissed about this and it just doesn't seem fair to rope them in honestly to everything that's happening they're really pissed uh so pissed in fact that uh 250 of them i think it was signed on to a letter denouncing zuckerberg's decision this week this was an an internal communication system that they have set up and then someone got a hold of it uh in the letter they ask i think it was the new york times in a letter they ask zuckerberg and the higher-ups to rethink the stance that they wound up taking on political ads and they say that facebook's position on political advertising is, quote, a threat to what Facebook stands for. We strongly object to this policy as it stands, end quote. And uh, one of my favorite lines from the letter reads, free speech and paid speech are not the same thing. That's so important to remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> because that, that was from Jack or from the letter that they wrote? That was wrote. from the letter that the Facebook employees wrote. Because Jack, I think, also 
on Twitter yes uh, said that when he did his yes thread. he had an amazing thread and he came out last week of course on Wednesday saying that Twitter was making a decision to ban political ads altogether uh, of course this decision came in a tweet very on brand delivery <laughs> Facebook doesn't That'd be great if Jack Dorsey put out a Facebook post yeah, Facebook doesn't have any you know, he took out an ad on Facebook yeah to, to say what he's gonna do about ads on Twitter yeah that would be great yeah Facebook I was thinking it's interesting how Facebook has no go-to platform because twitter's whole thing is like just tweeting like what is it like they release it via a meme or something they have <laughs> and facebook facebook is a kind of dead in a lot of ways too i don't know i'm a huge twitter person now uh but i also love i love what jack said he said we've made the decision to stop all political advertising on twitter globally we believe political messages uh political we believe political messages Oh, shit. Sorry. We believe political message reach should be earned, not bought. Why? A few reasons. And the thread continues. So if you have not read that thread yet, definitely go and read that. Jack is his name. (laughs) (laughs) At Jack. (laughs) I was thinking I wanted to write like a sketch about how people like to get at Jack. That's I mean, he crowned he created it. So obviously he got first pick at, at Jack. But like at Josh. Yeah. At Mark. Right. You it know? was the tech nerds who were in there early. Yeah, like the thing totally. is, a lot of people who have those usernames are just like tech nerds and designers and developers and yeah, stuff. Yeah, early adopters. Yeah, they're not like, we're they're often not famous people. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. It's just funny. It's a silly marketplace that exists now with all of this bullshit. Uh, okay, anyway, so um, that was awesome and definitely a blow to Zuckerberg, Jack's decision. And if that wasn't enough, the director of the movie that documented the success of Facebook itself, the social network, if you'll remember, uh, wrote an intense, pissed off open letter to Zuckerberg regarding his discontent with their political ad decision. And this was written by Aaron Sorkin. Uh, and the sentiment is pretty well summed up with, I think, this excerpt. He says, right now on your website is an ad claiming that Joe Biden gave the Ukrainian attorney general a billion dollars not to investigate his son. (laughs) Every square inch of that is a lie, and it's under your logo. That's not defending free speech, Mark. That's assaulting truth. (laughs) Steve. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So go Aaron Sorkin. Must be brutal for Zuckerberg to see that. <laughs> I wish Aaron Sorkin would write all my strongly worded letters for me. Yeah. I think it would be excellent. Yeah, totally. But Zuckerberg is coming off really shitty. And he's not doing well in Congress either because this happens. I mean, I have sympathy for him as being a complete pioneer, right? Who is trying to operate in the best way possible in a space that does not have the regulations and laws laid out yet in a way that has come together in a democratic way. But... I think he's fucking up a lot. Yeah. So yeah, and, that's and honestly, only the whole so far. The, like, if you have you seen the social network, mm-hmm. it's pretty damning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As far as Zuckerberg goes, yeah, and he was pretty much a dick his whole the whole time, and the whole I, inception of Facebook was to rate women's faces. Right. So like the whole thing from beginning to end sucks. Yeah, it is true. It I guess it depends. Well, I have bros who like watch that movie and we're and they just saw it as a tale of success, you know, <laughs> so it, it depends. <laughs> I guess it's it depends on how you already feel about it. But I think there's the really unfortunate thing is that for a moment in time, it seemed like it would go the right way. I think like the people around Mark Zuckerberg, the people he hired were making a huge PR effort, at least to become more diverse, to be kinder to women, to become a to, to become known as a somewhat progressive company like that's to attract talent in Silicon Valley. You kind of have to be. Mm-hmm. And there's so many like 
fucking rad young people or people of all ages who who get into this industry because they're so idealistic and mm-hmm. they want to work on something meaningful and something that like impacts society in a positive way. And there's so many people who work there who are working on this because they believed or still believe that like they're working on something that's good for society, that's connects us. But they have to reckon with their impact on democracy. Yeah. They have to. And it doesn't feel like that's happening. Uh, also, incidentally, if you take Zuckerberg and Kupperman, you get Zuckerman. And that's the guy from Charlotte's Web. So. <laughs> the end. Um, Fantastic. What, that, what do you think about that? Ooh. <laughs> Conspiracy theories. Is he the guy that's like uh, the old lanky white man? Uh, uh, no, Zuckerman's the older uh, portlier gentleman who's the farmer that owns. This is from Babe? Charlotte's Web. Oh, Charlotte's I Web. I confused My those two as well. <laughs> Children of the 90s I know, I because they, they're the all talking time. farm animals. Yeah. It's all the same. It mixes yeah, up but one's head. live oh, action God. and one's a cartoon. Yeah. I mean, also- who's to say? <laughs> <laughs> Me. <laughs> but who's to say? <laughs> I like that defense. What is a cartoon? What's reality? You know? Yeah, exactly. I've seen Waking Life. I'm <laughs> yes. on to you all. Yes, exactly. I love that movie. Yeah, me too. I also love when I think of Babe. All I the, the first thing that I imagine every single time is just the closing circle. Yeah, <laughs> the little black, Big. the little black, the impending blackness. I love that. I love that. It's such a it's a great technique visually. Yes, I like it too. You, <laughs> you, we, and then there's always like some adorable little animal doing something. Hello, great movie. Anyway, I okay. do like Babe. Yeah, I love Babe. That'll do pig. Yes, that man. Now, did which came first? Shrek's that'll do donkey or babes that'll do pig? Definitely babes that'll babes, do. Yeah. Yeah. Now, did they steal it knowingly yes. from babes? So it was like a... I think so. Okay. A nod. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Gotcha. Yeah. They love doing that. That was Mike Myers, right? Who did Shrek? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, Mike Myers kills it with the with the references. Another Canadian treasure. Oh, <laughs> except the love guru. That was the last Mike Myers Listen, movie I went to see in theaters, they and can't it was the fucking worst all movie be ever. Hits. Okay, <laughs> that's yeah. true. Yeah, this is true. Speaking of those that can't always have hits, Nunez is also back in the news, and that's what you're going to talk about in Hot Notes, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, cool. Uh, before we get to that, I have a quick impeachment update. Um, according to Elliot Engel, he's the chair of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, one of the three committees in charge of impeachment right now, uh, alongside oversight and intel. Uh, he says the private depositions will wrap up this week. And then the transcripts will come out hmm. of those uh, priv- of those depositions. And then Congressman Heim says public hearings will begin in the next two or three weeks. Um, the upcoming depositions this week on Monday, we have Robert Blair and Brian McCormick. Both are top staffers for Mick Mulvaney. Uh, and we also have John Eisenberg. He's the lawyer who shoved everything into the secret system. And Mike, <laughs> it's in the computer. Back in it. The, wait, the files are in the computer. <laughs> uh, and then uh, let's see. Michael Ellis uh, will also be Monday. That's his deputy, uh, Eisenberg's deputy. Then Tuesday, we have Duffy from um, uh, Motley Crue. No. <laughs> Office of Management and Budget. I would not be surprised at this point. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And then um, Wells Griffith. Wells Griffith. Oh, jeez. Special assistant Go to the president. Rich. Wells Griffith. <laughs> yeah. One of many chets. 
Wow. Uh, Wednesday. That dude was just made for money. Oh, that was that Griffith of the Connecticut insane. Griffiths. Oh, my God. I know. That'd be so hard if he just wanted to be an artist, trying to be taken seriously <laughs> with a name like Wells Griffith. Like, yeah. get out of here with like your Jeffrey Beauregard ass. Sessions the Third. Yeah. Right. Blah, blah, blah. Wow. Uh, let's see. Wednesday. We have Breck Buell. He's a State Department lawyer and then Director of Office Management Budget, Russell Vaught. We also have Rick Perry and David Hale from the State Department. And Thursday, Thursday, there's John Bolton. Now, I imagine none of these folks are probably going to appear, though Bolton might, but I think he'll probably wait for the Kupperman ruling Mm -hmm. to see what he decides Mm -hmm. to do. And I don't know when that's coming. Yeah, that makes sense. Same attorney. Right. Yes. Same, Same lawyer. Uh, and I, I, my beans are on. However, Kupperman goes, so shall Bolton. So, what exactly are they are they wanting to question Bolton on? Oh well, Bolton is the one who called Giuliani a hand grenade. Said that the thing with Ukraine was a drug deal. Mm-hmm. He would basically uh, testify that there were two, like a shadow policy going on Mm -hmm. and that Giuliani was leading it up Mm -hmm. and that there was a quid pro quo Mm -hmm. and that he didn't like it because up the existing testimonies because he's the one who was in that who came in and broke up that July 10th meeting when uh, Sundland was offering the Ukrainians were not offering but saying telling Mm -hmm. the Ukrainians that they had to in order to get that White House meeting they had to do these investigations into Biden and Burisma and the 2016 election and that's when you know, Bolton was like, <laughs> and came in and said, <laughs> scattered them all like pigeons. Shoot, I get out. And actually, looks like a character from like Mary Poppins. <laughs> yes, he did. In the park scene. <laughs> yes, he With does. the mustache. I don't know. Actually, I think what happened you know was what he, mean, he uh-huh. broke up the meeting for like it being inappropriate and then sent Fiona <laughs> Hill to follow them to the next room. Yeah. And then she went in there and, and said, chastised saw that that happened them. again, chastised them. And then she told Bolton and then also Vinman told Bolton about some of these inappropriate things. And Bolton says, go tell Eisenberg. And they're like, fucking Eisenberg's a douche. And so they went and told Eisenberg. And then yeah. that probably never made it up to Pat Cipollone. Yeah. If that's how you say his name. If that's how you say his name. <laughs> and, you know, who? and then it just got buried and lost mm-hmm. from there. And then he this- resigned. John Bolton resigned. Yeah, Bolton eventually resigned. Yeah. Th- this is the issue with these criminals is they all have like the same negative moral magnetic poles in them. And... They well, this doesn't check out science wise. My point is, they're all attracted <laughs> to each other, <laughs> and it's like they'll congregate. Birds of a crimson feather as, flock together. Exactly, and they just freaking convene. Stop reconvening. Just go away from each other. Your lives will be so much better. Just do your own go fucking open shit. Open a coffee shack or something like yes. Avenatti. <laughs> yes, exactly. Rededicate yourself. He had a coffee business and he stole from his clients to fund it. Um, I want to know where the fuck are Dan Coates and Sue Gordon? Hmm. Yeah. That's what I want to know. Yeah. And why they aren't involved in this at all. And maybe they're wrapped up in the Giuliani counterintelligence investigations. They have to keep that out of public ears. Dan uh, Coates was a DNI. Yeah. Yeah. He was the DNI in charge of wrangling During all, all the intelligence community. And Sue Gordon. And Sue Gordon was the deputy. Again? Deputy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they'll come up. I mean, it seems like the list of people that are coming, getting called in to testify just keep going more and more back into the like deeper roots of all of the administration staff. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. But that this this week is the end of the private depositions. So uh, maybe they maybe they aren't. I don't know. It just seems weird that because mm-hmm. they resigned right around that time. In fact, Dan Coates came in and grabbed Sue Gordon out of a meeting and said, you're resigning, too. And they both left. 
we're out of here. Yeah. <laughs> fuck you guys. Yeah. Um. Fuck you. Fuck I you. Know, fuck you. You're cool. Fuck you. Fuck you. It's the most like applicable <laughs> thing. It is. It is. So many people are just pissed Peace. off. Peace. I'm leaving. Uh, also, from Raw Story, uh, Department of Justice court filing explains the FBI's reasons for withholding information on the Kavanaugh background check. Jordan, you have this story. Yeah, so for context, obviously we remember during Kavanaugh's confirmation process, the FBI was performing, a, or did perform, a conduct, I should say, uh, superficial... <laughs> yes, they're different. They're not the fiddlers. They are the dance. directors of fiddling. Um but during Kavanaugh's confirmation process, they they opened up this investigation. It was just a superficial background check. And a FOIA lawsuit was filed looking for more insight into how all of that investigating went down. On October 25th, the DOJ apparently filed a motion for a summary judgment on the lawsuits. The FOIA request was from a BuzzFeed reporter. Go BuzzFeed. Stop making those stupid videos. Uh, includes <laughs> The request includes, uh, number one, a copy of the final report sent to the White House and the Senate Judiciary committee on either October 3rd or October 4th, 2018 on Kavanaugh. And two, it's also requesting all interview notes, investigative notes pertaining to the FBI's investigation into allegations leveled against Mr. Kavanaugh. End quote. Um, on Friday, the FBI moved to have the case dismissed and argued that they've already released enough information and that what they haven't yet released is going to be covered by one of the several statutory exceptions to FOIA. This was uh, direct commentary on a long crime article. Long crime? That's the name of the blog, right? I think so, yeah. Yes. I forget the dude's name. I'm so sorry. <clears throat> Colin something. Colin Guy. Colin Farrell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But that's not him. I don't need a correction. No, no, yeah, no, definitely, definitely not. (laughs) Those exceptions um, likely pertain to information that's unquestionably private and could subject Judge Kavanaugh and others to harassment or embarrassment in their private lives. Kavanaugh has a Prince Albert. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Disgusting. (laughs) So basically, the FBI is taking the position that what Kavanaugh did before his career in public service isn't necessary enough information for people to have and would serve to hurt or embarrass him. Which is a predictable stance for the historically conservative FBI to take, I think. Just when I say I don't mean like Republican conservative, although that's also true. I more mean just on erring on the side of releasing as little information as possible, even if that means throwing a pity party for a predator. Ah, uh, predator pity party. PPP. Peas. Triple P. Bad things come in bees. <laughs> 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 Writing that down. <laughs> Bad things come in peace. <laughs> and from and that's interesting too uh, that they would take that stance, like uh, to to say like, well, if we investigate this and we find out he raped people, that would be very embarrassing for the judge, right? And, yeah, well, yeah, yes. It's like, and, uh, yeah, they're making a preliminary judgment on information that wasn't even fully collected. With this being the reason, so that's frustrating. But yeah, it is like. It is sadly predictable, I think, because there was no official criminal charge filed against him back when it happened and everything. I just feel like they always lean on that. Oh, well, nothing was formally entered into the court system and we can't really investigate further without embarrassing and well, dishonoring that's your job family. to do. Yeah. And I still want to know how his loans and debts got paid off mm-hmm. and his mortgage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we're probably not going to... I mean, it just seems like we're probably not going to see anything about that. And Kavanaugh is on the Supreme Court, and he's probably not going anywhere. Well, I think there's a group of legal students that are filing suit to to get more information on that. Yeah. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. 
Uh, and from Thursday, Reuters is reporting that sweeping changes in Ukraine's top law enforcement agency ordered by Zelensky will derail a series of long-running investigations, including two related to Paul Manafort. Three members of the Ukrainian Special Investigations Unit told Reuters that the reorganization would effectively sabotage five years of investigation into Yanukovych and Manafort called the Black Ledger case. The Black Ledger case refers to the off-the-books payments made by Yanukovych to Manafort and others, which was ultimately the reason Manafort was fired from the Trump campaign. Giuliani has called the Black Ledger a fraudulent document used to unfairly malign Manafort because, you know, he's a mostly innocent fella. <laughs> What was it? What did they say? Crimeless? What'd they call him? I don't remember. Do you remember? No. Who? Who Manafort. When uh, somebody... Or uh, who called Manafort what, though? Somebody said he lived uh, mostly... One of his defense lawyers during the Virginia trial. Yes. Yeah, like... (laughs) <laughs> I forget something that's like a mostly perfect yeah something, something. Ter- something so dumb yes uh, and one of except the except p- for this one crime <laughs> this one I don't know this is a series yeah. of crimes and he's but, 18 yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly. 34 exactly and uh, and one of the prosecutors said they were recently within weeks of announcing suspects in a second probe involving Manafort which says Yanukovych used state funds to pay a New York law firm to write a report justifying the imprisonment of Yanukovych's political rival Temeshenko we know that law firm to be Skadden and Arps, and this is what Greg Craig and Vanderswan were caught up in. Vanderswan mm-hmm. served his prison sentence and was deported. Uh, and let's see, quote, we were ready to formally announce indictments of both Ukrainian and American citizens. Uh, I spent three years trying to put it all together, and now they will crumple it up, stuff it in a box, and hand, and hand the box away. Mm-hmm. Uh, this makes me really want to hear about the first phone call between Trump and Zelensky. Yeah. Uh, this reorganization was mentioned in the July 25th call when Zelensky said he was putting someone new in charge that will be 100% his person and that uh, he will they will investigate the Bidens. Oh, God. This is so... So they talked about it before. Right. In order to have that sentence? Before the July 25th call? Yeah. And yeah. there is a first call and we're waiting for the transcripts of that. I think Trump said it would release it, but he never released it. Yeah. Perfect we, call. We have no idea what kind of, you know, behind the scenes pressure Trump's putting on Zelensky right now. Hmm. Still, you know, no, yeah. I, it's also so shitty to me that, regardless, like in the absence of influence that Trump has over him, that he would make moves to not investigate conduct like Manafort, who was responsible for enacting egregious human rights violations. Honestly, I think with what he, the lock her up campaign, and all of that, just criminal behavior that unfortunately largely defines people's view of corruption in Ukraine mm-hmm. and now he's saying he's going to pull he's going to appoint someone that will pull away from that that's like that's such an institutional misstep yeah and we talked previously also about the previous javelin uh sale to Ukraine when the previous president was there and that they had a phone call and then they wanted javelins and then they got the javelins. Uh, and then I think the next day, four suits were dropped against Manafort. Four investigations were dropped. Uh, they stopped cooperating with Mueller mm-hmm. about the Manafort investigation. So it's this this whole Ukraine quid pro quo shit's been going on for quite a while. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. Um, also Thursday, The Independent in the UK wrote a piece about UK intelligence officials being shaken by the Trump administration's request for help with his counter impeachment efforts. Uh, while the publicity around impeachment heats up, there's an increasing effort by Bill Barr to investigate and overturn the conclusions made by the United States intelligence community and Robert Mueller that Russia interfered in the 2016 election. It's odd that Trump, who claims the Mueller investigation totally exonerated him, is now taking part in an effort to discredit it. Uh, but according to The Independent, Barr is focused on a theory that Ukraine framed Russia over the United States election in a complex triple cross operation Good. by impersonating <laughs> Russian hackers. Wait, what is triple cross? Is that like a horse race? No, it just means <laughs> one more than a double cross. Okay. Oh, okay. Like I a triple see. agent. I it's see. a double agent. It's a triple, triple cross. Complex triple cross operation by impersonating Russian hackers to frame Russia. Trump and Barr uh, have also been asking Australia, UK, and Italy for help in investigating U.S. intelligence agencies, and that has left our allies astonished. One British official says, quote, it's like nothing we've come across before. They are basically asking in quite robust terms for help in doing a hatchet job on their own intelligence services. Mm-hmm. Wow. Is that not treasonous behavior? Uh, sometimes really, some yeah. people believe in order for it to be treasonous behavior, there has to be a war. Okay. We have to be in a war. I contend that we could be because Russia attacked us just mm -hmm. because our president hasn't declared it uh, yeah. as such because he's in on it. What about the brink of war? Yeah, I right? think that should count. <laughs> like in a piece of bread, the crust is also considered part of the bread. But it's the crust. Yes, yeah. it is the brink of bread. <laughs> Hard-hitting news with Jordan at 11 Every, The crust is the brink of the bread Yes, we're just one good soccer mom away from those crusts coming off And war ensuing <laughs> It's all up to the soccer moms Wow Yeah but amazing. Thank you No, but seriously No, I, I do think, like it I, <laughs> Cut into triangles, please Yeah, I do think I agree with you, though That there are acts of war that I think will could officially be, you know, interpreted as such. I'm glad they're not because no war is obviously better than war. But in terms of a treasonous indictment on someone, yeah, I also read the the treason is the, uh, aiding and abetting an enemy, um, and, and and I think that qualifies here. But uh, other constitutional scholars have said that it has this, the the war part it, that is subsumed under that. But um, everyone's got a different opinion on that. So yeah. It's hard. It would, it'd be hard to litigate. Mm -hmm. I think since it's never had precedent before. Mm -hmm. I hope also that if hopefully once we get a democratic president in there, like and you said this before, Ag, that we can um, rebuild trust with our allies. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't even imagine what they're saying. Yeah, <laughs> you yep. know, behind closed doors about what's. I mean. I get it sometimes where people are like, oh, my God, it's chaotic. But for to have to have Bill Barr ask intelligence agencies of our allies to do a hatchet job on American intelligence, it's just so beyond. I mm -hmm. feel like if you're an American, now's the time to backpack through Europe. I don't think you'll have to put that Canadian patch on your backpack to pretend you're not American. I think you'll get a lot of sympathy. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. I remember when we went to Ireland, um, my we met some people, and this was during Obama, and it was right after Sandy Hook. And even then, they were like... We feel so bad for you guys. Your gun sense laws are fucking stupid. Yeah. And this is so honestly embarrassing for you. <laughs> it's like for us to watch. And this is this is when Ireland was still I've talked about this before. They were like more conservative then on certain issues than uh than we were. Now it's like since flip flopped. Yeah. Yeah, now that they've um uh legalized 
gay marriage and abortion. Yeah, but there is definitely pity for us. <laughs> yeah, especially a lot right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Trump is moving to Florida. He doesn't want to be a resident of New York anymore. And I'm wondering if this is a way for him to avoid turning over his tax returns. But that if it, is he is he that stupid? Yeah, that thinks it's a simple fix. Because first of all, even the returns he files now would have to be filed <laughs> in New York. Uh, and the state can still provide the tax returns. They happened. That's like, the, I don't know. Maybe he's trying to avoid future taxes. Or maybe he's worried about winning Florida in 2020. He barely eked it out in 2016. So maybe, you know, if he moves down there and becomes a Floridian, maybe he'll get more votes. I don't know. Yeah. I think he's wrung out all the corruption he could have crafted and gotten away with in New York. Now he's going to Florida, the next state that has a lot of that shit going on. Florida's a very corrupt state politically. Yeah. And if he does move down there, all the A Florida Man articles are going to get really interesting. Mm. From here on out. You know, I heard a really interesting theory on why we hear so much crazy news out of Florida, and not just because crazy things happen in Florida, but I said this to a friend recently who's f- from Florida, and he was like, people just think Florida's more insane than it is because we this stuff is all on the record. It's open. You can search and write stories about this stuff, whereas other states, you can't publish stories because all of their criminal records are not so as much out in the open as Florida. Yeah. I mean, I just think of like mm, the also, Bush legacy in that state yeah. and just not transparent election Should practices. Should love? Yeah, I appreciate that. Obviously, not all of Florida is fucked, but a lot of it, it's kind of like the Arizona of the ocean, you know? Like <laughs> <laughs> the Arizona of the sea. Yeah. I, but I also know that Florida is really diverse and there's a lot of, like, a lot of, like, it's super, super multicultural. It's got pockets. It's a purple state. Yeah, of course. I, I, I love Florida. Yeah, there's some parts I, I don't there. like, but yeah. there's there's parts of California I don't like. Yeah, there's, totally, you know. totally. yeah of course. But I do anyway, just think... A lot of really interesting stories come out of Florida. It's so true. Like, really bad, time-pervasive stories. They used to have a, uh, a, a game on Loveline where they would say it was called Germany or Florida and they would read a headline and you had to guess if it was from Germany or Florida. <laughs> so it's, I mean, it's just sort of one of those known things like people from the UK or mm-hmm. f- like there's not a lot of comedians in France or, you know, whatever. It's just right. one of those stereotypes that, that, that happens to stick. I, th- I think there are so many awesome people in Florida and, and so many great places and, and beautiful, um, really beautiful preserves and, and yeah. amazing stuff. I used to hang on on Cocoa Beach all the time and I love the y- South. Yeah, I oh, think Gulf I'll- Coast is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. There yeah. are also more Puerto Ricans in Florida than any other state, and I don't think there's a lot of people too happy with Trump right now. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, he, yeah, extended community, the third Mexico. Yeah, that's true. Mostly, what I'm saying is not anything about the people that actually live there, but election officials, state totally. legislators. Mm-hmm. It's just like and the denial of climate change when it so badly affla- affects Florida. It probably affects Florida. Rick Scott is that yeah. the former governor? It, it probably affects Florida the worst mm-hmm. of any other state. Yeah, except our fires here in yeah. California. Mm-hmm. Seeing the way their elected officials constantly deny climate change every time a disaster is about to hit Florida just like makes my skin crawl. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and the way they gerrymander and steal votes and do all that other stuff is it 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 doesn't reflect the good people of Florida properly. Definitely not. And that's that's I think the the main problem. So uh, we have some really great hot notes. We'll be right back with those. Hey, AG here. Would you buy a t-shirt for 50 bucks if you knew it only cost $7 to make? I sure wouldn't, and with Everlane, you'll never overpay for quality clothes. Everlane makes premium clothes with the finest materials, but without the insane markups. They partner with the best ethical factories around the world and share the true cost of every product very transparently that they make with the consumer, and in what they call radical transparency, which I love. And transparency's great. Uh, I I personally am all for it. Um, Their their denim factory, for for instance, is the cleanest in the world. 
world, recycling 98% of its water, relying on alternative energy sources, and repurposing byproducts to make premium jeans, minus the waste. Everlane's clothes look and feel better, they cost less, they last longer because they sell directly to the consumer and cut out the middleman. Their prices are 30 to 50% lower than traditional retailers, and they have everything from grade A cashmere sweaters, Italian shoes, Peruvian Pima tees, to the new jacket I got made from recycled water, water bottles, which I love. And the clothes are beautiful, comfortable, ethical, and much less expensive. And right now, you can check out our personalized collection at everlane.com slash AG. Plus, you'll get free shipping on your first order. That's everlane.com slash AG. So head now to everlane.com slash AG. You'll be glad you did. And as you know, resisting Trump is my passion, but sometimes I even need a break from the craziness. And one of my favorite mental palate cleansers is a new puzzle game, and it's an app called Best Fiends. And Best Fiends has an engaging story and challenging puzzles, but it's a casual game that's super fun to play and anyone can play. I'm on level 44 now, and to me it's the perfect game to keep my mind stimulated, but also relaxes me. It's not timed, so there's no pressure or stress. It's just a great puzzle game that's my go-to refresher when I need a break. The creators are constantly adding new levels and events, so it's always fresh and fun and Best Fiends is free to download. It's got a beautiful, vibrant design. And best of all, you don't need the internet to play it, which I really love because I can play it on the plane. So give it a try. Engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters too. Five-star rated mobile puzzle game on the Apple App Store and Google Play. And you can download free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. You'll be glad you did. All right, welcome back. Hot notes. All right, so I'm going to go over this crazy Mueller document dump we got from BuzzFeed on Saturday. But before we do that, Jordan, you have an update on Nunes. Yes, regrettably, my saga of covering Nunes continues. <laughs> you can't, you can't shake it. Yes, I am damned to the move forever now. Since I called him attractive one time, damned it's never to the move. Damned to the move forever. Uh, he is newsflash, still a piece of shit. Um, as are the people who associate themselves with him. So this time, uh, the Daily Beast is reporting that a top aide to Nunes has been leaking details about the whistleblower to conservative journalists and politicians before and during congressional testimonies. Derek Harvey is his name, and he apparently has been giving House Republicans notes containing the whistleblower's name uh, before and during these depositions, like I said. And it's speculated that the goal of doing this is to get the whistleblower's name into the record. So when Schiff ultimately releases that record to the public, which he has pledged to do, that will then effectively oust out the identity of the whistleblower. So WAPO is reporting that GOP staffers and Congress people have said the whistleblower's name repeatedly during the closed door depositions, which means that that's in the record right now. Of course, releasing this person's identity wouldn't change anything about the realities of Ukraine Gate. The only thing it would do is put this person potentially in danger, which is what I think the GOP will never admit to, but is ultimately what they either want to do or are entirely willing to turn a blind eye to. Um, they're saying that it's important to investigate the nature of this person because, once again, attacking the people and not the merits is the only defense that they even have right now. Uh, Jim Jordan came out in one of his annoying post-elevator interviews like in an intermission of a deposition the other day saying you know the first the two things you have to look at at a whittleblower whittleblower who's whittle oh god so many jokes I will not make okay um, <laughs> but he comes out and says with a whistleblower you have to look at their motivations and I forget the other thing some other bullshit 
effectively saying the merits of the person, not what they're saying. Um, so that's that. And moving on to more Nunes news. Uh, yes, nice segue. <laughs> Before you move on, uh, I think that's an interesting strategy to say his name that was or his or her name over and over again to get it to force the Dems to release it when they release the transcripts. It is illegal, however, to to out a whistleblower. And the Dems, I think, will keep it redacted. Yeah. And that's going to give the Republicans the talking point of, what else did you redact? Right. Uh, and so um, just expect that. Yes. And then I guess the process would be a FOIA request. Would, would, it, would that be how people would respond to that? Conservatives, if there's redactions in that public testimony? Uh, or yeah, testimony but, that was not public and is now but made that, public. But anything that would break the law is exempt from a FOIA right. thing, so they wouldn't be able to release it. Right. Is owed protection yeah. under, yeah, legally. Yeah. But I guarantee, though, like you said, I think you're right. They're going to use it as an opportunity to say, oh, well, when our side redacts things, it's the end of the world, but they're allowed to redact things. It's supposed to be public. But like you said, none of this matters because 800,000 people have corroborated firsthand evidence of what the whistleblower said. Yep. Yeah, exactly. But it is really shitty that they're they're weaponizing Schiff's attempts at transparency against the people. Yeah, and the whistleblower. Yeah. And the whistleblower mostly. Yeah. Um, anyway, move, moving on. Moving on. Uh <laughs> To more Nunes news, there's a development in his Twitter lawsuit. I'm brainstorming names for that lawsuit, by the way, so hit me up with your suggestions. I was thinking maybe like Slaughtergate because cows, and he's totally going to lose this <laughs> this uh, lawsuit, but let me know what you think. Bullygate? Whatever. Everything's a gate. Move Especially gate. when cows are involved. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> because you think of cows behind gates? Yeah, that's all I think about. And I think, oh, the cows got out because the gate was open. <laughs> that's how I... <laughs> Have you heard of Untitled Goose Game? No. Okay. So this just reminded me of the imagery you're talking about. There's a, a game that just came out called Untitled Goose Game, where you basically, you the main character is a goose. That's how you play. Mm-hmm. And you run around causing mayhem, Ooh. like stealing from people. Just charging at people And like your annoying neck. people. Yeah, it's great. It's really that sounds cute. very fun. Geese are dicks. They kind of are. Totally. I mean, I don't blame them because we're dicks. But like, yeah. have yeah. you seen the? There's this. Twitter. They'll come and flap you. Yeah. If you need a place to put your all of your like <laughs> a- a- anarchy feelings, where you're just like fuck this shit, then play so, Untitled Goose so Games. So it's like Goose <laughs> Games. So it's like Grand Theft Auto, but you're a goose. Yes. Totally. And all you can do is just rapidly <laughs> charge at humans. <laughs> oh, <laughs> gong, gong, gong. Goose. Goose Theft Auto. Oh, God. That's such a nice PG version of, like, first-person shooter <laughs> games. First-person goose. <laughs> you have to do shit like steal someone's keys, steal someone's glasses. Oh, that's so funny. Oh, dude. Oh, uh, just hooligans. Uh-huh. Hooligoose. 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 Yes. Uh, but anyways, um, open to names for, for Bullygate. Uh, but... So what what he has done now in this case that is ongoing against accounts such as Devin Nunez's cow and uh, Devin Nunez's mom, yeah. I believe is the other one. Yeah, yeah. Follow them on Twitter. Uh, what he is doing is he's demanding emails from a former DNC employee and a pro-democratic law firm to try to prove that those entities were conspiring against Nunez to defame him in the 2018 election. He should appoint a special counsel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, they'll they'll probably file a motion to halt the subpoena is is what's going to happen because in the state that this is happening in 
civil attorneys have the right to subpoena documents. So so this is like an actual subpoena on behalf of his attorney right at this point. In California? Uh, no, this is in, I think, Virginia. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so this case is, it's just such bullshit. It's like entirely a fundraising stunt, first off, that is actually kind of working, which is really sad. Fresno B, who's been doing amazing reporting on all things Nunes shit reports that apparently his fundraising numbers have like skyrocketed since filing this case. So to me, that just means that it's a successful attempt to get people to feel sorry for him and that he's being attacked. He's already raised $7 million for his reelection fund. So that's kind of shitty. I feel like as long as this case, he's just going to keep this case open for as long as he possibly can and garner, like get all of the attention sympathies that he can. That's annoying. It is annoying. <laughs> That's annoying. <laughs> yeah. Moo. Yep. All right. Uh, yeah. Hit us up at Muller She Wrote or at Jordan's Confused with your idea names for yeah. Bullshit Gate. Yes. Yeah, bullshit Gate. Bully Gate. Cow Gate. Yeah. Let's see. <laughs> cow Pie. Uh, I'm just trying to think of cow stuff. Yeah. Uh. Spot. Spot Gate. <laughs> That's your worst one yet. <laughs> Don't know. Not and that. sadly, the one I thought the hardest about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> I don't have a segue. Moving on <laughs> to BuzzFeed News. <laughs> That's terrible. Uh, yesterday, Saturday, BuzzFeed News released its first set of 302s. They're calling the Mueller Memos. Um, and this, they won this uh, in a FOIA battle with the Department of Justice, five separate FOIA cases. Um, they, they got hundreds of pages with about 237, actually exactly 237 redactions. And the evidence is so voluminous that BuzzFeed said, I said this at the top of the show, it will receive dumps like this every month for at least eight years. Damn. Uh, this release has interviews, notes, and emails from Gates, Cohen, and Bannon. And I've gone through them all with a fine-toothed comb, so let's start off with the Gates material. Nice. Uh, first, and this is the smoking gun that I've been talking about in relation to the grand jury materials that, you know, where the oversight committee is trying to get. Gates testified that Trump had foreknowledge of the WikiLeaks dump and that based on the phone call between Trump and a redacted name in the car on the way to LaGuardia. And we know that redacted name to be Stone. We've talked about this. Um, it stands to reason his name would be redacted because his trial begins Tuesday, so it's part of an ongoing matter. Trump told Gates before he boarded the plane that more dumps were coming. Um, that means that when Trump told Mueller in his written answers that he was unaware of any upcoming email mm -hmm. releases, he was lying. Mm -hmm. So Trump lied to Mueller. That's impeachable and criminal. Mueller knew it, but couldn't indict him or wouldn't indict him, but he didn't indict him. Mm -hmm. uh, there's another huge piece here that totally debunks the wild goose chase. Goose. <laughs> There's our segue. <laughs> Wild Goose Chase Bill Barr has been on, uh, traveling the world and trying to steal people's keys. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> traveling the world and trying to push the theory that Ukraine was responsible for the hack and not Russia. <laughs> now I just need, like, Barr as a goose running around trying to <laughs> do God. stuff as part of this. This is game. my request to anyone who's listening who can do a quick and dirty Photoshop of Bill Barr's head on the goose from the Untitled Goose Game, please. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, Untitled Goose Game. There's got to be some like Sharknado-like movie that's been made that you can alter the poster for, you know, with like a evil goose. Yeah. Something more sinister than also Actually, the you know what? Games, I, I take that back. Don't tarnish a wonderful game with Bill Bond. <laughs> I take it back. I rescind that. I rescind that. Yes. Okay. Then put a goose welcome. head on Bill Barr's body oh. and make him run around and try to discredit the FBI. <laughs> yes. Okay, yes. That, With that, a really long yes. neck. 
so his head's always out of frame. <laughs> With the glasses. Okay. Um, oh, that's the most adorable image of him I've ever thought of. It, it really would be an improvement. Um, yeah. Gates testified under oath that the Ukraine spin was an inside job theory first floated by Manafort in 2016 and tied to Seth Rich. We've been saying this from the start. Now we have the interview documents to back it up. So the whole thing that, you know, Ukraine is the one who did a triple cross Framing frame Russia. job of Putin frame job. was, in fact, an inside job theory. Uh, it was a conspiracy theory, and it still is. And sorry, he testified that to Mueller directly? Uh, that was Gates. Or, yes, Gates said that to Mueller. Yes. Nice. Cool. Directly. Awesome. Gates also told Mueller that Junior, Flynn, Cush, Manafort, Redacted, Lewandowski, Sessions, and Clovis were all interested in getting the emails. And uh, that interest ratcheted up in April and May of 2016. That explains why everyone was so keen on the Trump Tower meeting in June. And uh, Gates says the RNC knew about the dumps and was energized by Assange's public announcement in June that he had something on Clinton. The RNC's interest is what eventually pushed Trump to cooperate with the RNC. Remember, he didn't want to at first. But the RNC issued press releases that amplified the releases and the RNC knew about the timing of the releases. We also knew that the the campaign... (laughs) The campaign decided uh, Flynn had the best Russia contacts, Kush had the best China contacts, Manafort had the best pro-Putin Ukraine contacts, Bannon had the best Saudi and UAE contacts via Eric Prince, and that Mossad and Israel were also likely involved. This is exactly the grand bargain that Seth Abrams mm-hmm. smokes smoke about. <laughs> <sighs> Today's a day. Um, <laughs> That is exactly the great. You should see my arm movements right there. Yeah. If, you, if, you, if you're not a patron, become one. You'll get to see it on the video link when we start it. <laughs> uh, but this is the grand bargain Seth Abrams has spoke about in his books of proof of collusion and proof of conspiracy. So all of these, and they had assignments too. They were like, Flynn, you're good with Russia. You, China, you, this, you, that. And pretty much just go, said, go, go for it. Gates also told Mueller that the Trump campaign was very happy about the email releases. We knew that. And Gates also testified that Trump would not uh, was told not to react publicly to the July 22nd WikiLeaks release and just let it play out. And then when the Access Hollywood tape came out, the Trump campaign got a heads up about it, but didn't have much time to act between the heads up and the publishing of the tape. Um, then there are pages of redacted information likely about the campaign reaching out to Stone to coordinate another release. But those are beans. Hmm. Why else would it be redacted? Mm-hmm. Then we uh, get to Cohn and Cohen and most of his 302s are redacted. Uh, but they seem to indicate the discussions within the campaign about Trump Tower Moscow and that they needed to stay on message and deny Trump had any deals uh, in exchange for Trump loving him, which seems to be code for a pardon. <laughs> yeah. Trump loves you. Uh, it doesn't say in the interview that Cohen spoke to Trump about his letters to Congress. Hmm. No, excuse me. It does say in the hmm. interview that Cohen did speak to Trump about his letter to Congress. Okay. So, directly implicated there. Cohen also told Mueller he had to keep Trump out of the messaging to Russia in preparation for his congressional testimony. So there was a an active uh, effort to keep, shield Trump. Mm-hmm. And then on to Bannon. This is Bannon's just a weird dude. <laughs> Pretty much all of his interview is redacted. And I'm assuming it's because it has to do with one of the redacted cases handed mm-hmm. off by Mueller that we don't yet know about. Perhaps Brad Parscale and Cambridge Analytica, mm. since he had so much to do with that. Bannon confirmed Kushner and Ivanka's vacation in August outside Croatia with Wendy Dang and a Russian oligarch and the Russian oligarch's girlfriend. Bannon was about to be fired and he emailed back and forth with someone from Breitbart about Kushner being connected to that Russian and they thought they could use that information as leverage against Kushner. Oh, shit. The That's same dirty. I know. Dirty. 
The same day, Bannon exchanged emails about a deal between Kushner and another Soviet-born oligarch, but Bannon said, don't touch this yet. But the person replied, Kay, this is big, though, isn't it? Isn't this the ball game?" And Bannon replied, all and everything. So it hmm. seems like Bannon was trying to take down Kushner. Fuck yeah. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just watching assholes beat the shit out yes, of each other. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Bannon's emails also show that Manafort was advising the Trump campaign until days before the election. Manafort had sent an email to Kush, Priebus, Gates, and Hannity, and Kush forwarded that email to Bannon, and Bannon replied, we need to avoid this guy like the plague. Paul's a nice guy, <laughs> but we can't let word get out that he's advising us. They're going to try to say the Russians worked with WikiLeaks to give this victory to us. Hmm. Bannon also told Mueller he first met Trump in 2010. And this is just the LOL icing on the cake. Yeah. Uh, he first met Trump in 2010, who, and he told him he was thinking about running for president in 2012. And Bannon said, for which country? <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So he said that he said that to Mueller yeah. to just distance himself from, from Trump to some degree, maybe in Mueller's eyes or something. I don't know, but that's funny. Yeah. It reminds me of, was it McCarthy who said that there were only two people who got paid by Putin and it was Rohrabacher and Trump? Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Good old Rohrabacher. Good old Rohrabacher. You guys ready for sabotage? Yeah. Let's do it. Okay, this is fun. Igor Fruman's lawyer, um, it, who is also was Paul Manafort's lawyer, his name is Blanche, sent what? a Blanche. This takes a lot of showers. Sent, or sent a letter to the court asking for a hearing Friday requesting a bail modification, uh, saying he should no longer, Fruman should no longer be under house arrest and shouldn't have to wear his ankle jewelry. And the hearing Friday was dramatic according to buzzfeed quote a lawyer for giuliani's ukrainian associate tried to argue he wasn't a flight risk it did not go well unquote yeah fruman's lawyer said there's absolutely no evidence that mr fruman was leaving the united states and not intending to come back okay and the judge goes is it false that he had a one-way ticket to vienna (laughs) yeah and blanche goes pardon me and the judge goes is it false that he had a one-way ticket to Vienna? And he goes, no, that's absolutely true. Oh, my God. But absolutely no conceivable proof. <laughs> I still think there's going to be superseding indictments on these guys. And, of course, oh, yeah. we're waiting for the Giuliani indictment. So well, because they're not cooperating. That's why right? I plugged this in into sabotage. Yeah. Igor and Lev would be and maybe they are potentially really great characters for the graphic novel version of the Trump administration yes. story. Like, can you just see them yes. in a graphic novel? I see them in that or I see them in like a Grace and Frankie sort of situation. <laughs> 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 With their ankle bracelets in a house in Malibu. Yeah, like Igor and Liv. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, the comic book but version just, is You know much what more. I mean? Just the, the, uh, the physical attributes lend themselves very well to the things they have themselves wrapped up in. Yes. Oh, wow, that's funny. That's yeah. So <laughs> no, that is absolutely true. <laughs> oh, my God. Worst lawyers ever in 2019. Mm, there's only seven yeah. lawyers that will represent any of these people anyway. Yeah. You know, if you can't get Tonesing, you go for DeGeneva. You can't get DeGeneva, you get Downing and Blanche. You can't get Downing or Blanche, you get Burke. You can't get that guy. Maybe you can get Dershowitz, but he seems to be in a little bit of trouble right now. You know, they just have they just, the same lawyers over and over again. Yeah, we haven't talked about Dershowitz in a while. Yeah. Keeping his underwear on. Drop the case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he'll never, this is off topic, but for Epstein stuff, then he'll never be fully investigated, it seems. 
if they're just dropping the case. Well, they're dropping the case into Epstein. Right. That doesn't mean they won't drop the case into Dershowitz or that they aren't continuing to investigate him. Really? Yeah. That's good. I would say not. Yeah. Especially since Jufree is is talking about it. Mm -hmm. All right. uh, Let's play the Fantasy Indictment League. I'm going to be indicted! No, it is going to be a... Indicted! Honey, dick. Indicted! Honey. I'm going to be indicted! They can't. It's going to be okay. Just calm down. I can't calm down. I'm going to be indicted. I forget where we were, so Jordan, why don't you just go first? Okay. Eric Prince. Oh. You said his name earlier, and I was like, yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that dude. I'm writing yeah. him down. <laughs> okay, thank you. All right, I'm going to go with uh, Fruman. Nice. I will do Lev. Parnas. <laughs> I'll go with Life in the Gislane. Mm-hmm. Maxwell. Um, for hope's sake, I guess Dershowitz. Dersh. I thought you were going to say Hope Hicks. Oh, God. <laughs> for hope's sake, Hicks. <laughs> um, Giuliani. She has the same last name as my boyfriend. That is the first time I've ever thought about that. Oh. Hope oh. Hicks. Maybe she's related to Bill. Oh, God. Probably not. No, doubt it. Okay, let's do, um, Tom Barrick. Awesome. I'm going to go with Malik. I've okay. been seeing his name come up a lot. How do you spell uh, that last name again? Which one? Malik? Mm-hmm. M-A-L-L-O-C-H. Did you, you didn't say Giuliani yet, right? I did. Fuck! <laughs> I think you... Oh, yeah, you get one more, Jordan. Okay. I'll do Trump Inaugural. Trump Inaugural. And I'll do Trump Org. Yeah. I suck at this game. No, you don't. Thank you. But You're welcome. But I don't think I really have <laughs> any points. <laughs> We need more indictments. We do need more indictments. That's the problem. All right. We have a really, really great interview today. It's with the former secretary of the Department of Veterans Affairs. His name is Dr. Shulkin. And you don't want to miss it. He's got a great new book coming out. We'll talk about it uh, at the other side of this break. It's the holiday season and giving gifts to your loved ones is fantastic, but overpaying for those gifts is definitely not. Well, now you can be confident that you didn't overspend on the holidays with Honey. Honey is a new free browser extension that automatically finds the best promo codes wherever they live on the internet, wherever you shop online. Honey scans the internet for coupon codes and other discounts, and then like magic, it automatically applies them, specifically the one with the biggest savings, to your cart at the end of your shopping experience. That means you always get the best deals and the lowest prices without even trying. Recently, I needed a hair straightener. Honey found me a code savings of almost $19. Uh, Honey has found its members over a billion dollars in savings. It supports over 20,000 stores online, and it has over 100,000 five-star reviews. If you're buying gifts this holiday season, then you need Honey. If you're not, you probably know someone who is. Do them a solid and tell them about Honey. It's free to use. Uh, it installs in just two clicks, and it can help make sure you're always getting the best price for whatever you're buying. Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com ag. That's joinhoney.com ag. And happy holidays. Today for the interview, we have a very special guest, former Secretary of Veterans Affairs, the only Trump nominee to be confirmed 100 to 0 by the Senate, and author of the new book, It Shouldn't Be This Hard to Serve Your Country. Please welcome Dr. David Shulkin to Mueller, she wrote. Dr. Shulkin, thank you for agreeing to speak with me today. I'm glad to speak to you. First, I'd like to thank you for your service and especially for your work on expanding telemental health, uh, because as a veteran, I've benefited greatly from that program. Well, uh, thank you for your service, and and I'm glad to hear that that program has helped. I think it is um, a terrific way to get people the help they need in a more convenient 
atmosphere rather than making people come in and schedule appointments and, and park their cars and have to wait and to get into an office. Yes, and it's especially helpful to female veterans, uh, especially those of us that have uh, PTSD due to military sexual trauma, to just not be in that environment. So I think that it really expands and enhances access to care. Yeah, I agree. Thank you. And I remember you, I I, I listened to your book. It's really, really great, uh, first of all. And I remember you telling a story about someone who said to you, uh, better you than me, about getting the job as secretary of VA. Can can you tell us why you chose to leave the private sector for, I, I believe, what would probably be a substantial pay cut and a seemingly impossible job that actually opened you up to so much scrutiny? Well, uh, this dates back to 2014. And as you may recall, there was a very public issue about the wait time crisis that started in the Phoenix VA, but really was system-wide throughout the VA, where we were seeing the Iraq and Afghanistan veterans coming back with complex issues, some of them the invisible um, injuries of war, uh, but others very complex issues like IED devices. But at the same time, we were seeing the Vietnam veterans turning 69 years old on average requiring more services as well. And frankly, this system was overwhelmed and just wasn't meeting the need of veterans. And I remember just listening to the TV and reading the newspaper and saying, if there's one group of Americans that deserved better than this, it would be our veterans. And just wondering what could I do? And I happened to be in the situation where they were looking for a new undersecretary. That's the person that leads the healthcare system in the VA. And um, I received a call from, at that time, the Obama administration asking whether I would consider that. And I hope that I responded like every American. When your country asks for your help and you feel like you're in a position to be able to contribute and help, I felt like it was my time to serve. Yeah, that's great. And I'm glad that you brought up the Vietnam veterans because I believe it was in 2017, I think, when you were there, when they expanded the benefits to those who had been exposed to Agent Orange. Well, I tried to expand the benefits. Um, As secretary, uh, I had looked at the data and believed that the data that was done by the National Academy on Science, which um, is a prestigious scientific board, that the data suggested that we should expand those benefits. And unfortunately, my time as secretary was shortened, and I was not able to see that through. And that's one of the regrets that I have because those veterans, some of them now waiting 50 years or more, are still not getting the benefits that they, that they deserve. Yeah, definitely. And I, speaking along those lines about um, having, you know, your exit of the VA, I'd like to ask you about the three private citizens. We all read this in public reporting who kind of ghost ran the VA from Mar-a-Lago. And I'd like to know how that impacted your job ultimately and how it impacted veterans as well. Well, I think that there's been much uh, say about this in the in in the press. Um, these were uh, three individuals that were private citizens that had a prior relationship with the president, where he had asked for their advice and counsel on how to improve the VA. I think the president was uh, sincere in his desire to see us do better for our veterans and ask these individuals to be involved. And these individuals were giving me their advice and recommendations on how we could improve the VA. And I believe that they had good intentions in doing that. 
the problem is, of course, when you're outside of government, you don't really understand how government works, and they didn't have extensive healthcare experience the way that I do. So at times, um, their advice was not as useful. Other times, frankly, they were helpful to me in trying to move the agenda along and, and be able to help understand uh, how to get things done in a somewhat chaotic environment, which happened when the Trump administration took over. Ah, I see. And, and speaking of the Trump administration, uh, administration taking over, in your book, you describe the challenges and benefits of working under the Trump administration versus working under the Obama administration. And I was wondering what you noticed about the differences in how those two leaders operated. Well, as you can imagine, uh, these are very different presidents and very different leadership styles. And uh, I was the only one in the Trump cabinet to have the opportunity to work in both administrations. President uh, Obama, to be fair, I entered his administration uh, six and a half years into his time governing as president. So he had a pretty well-oiled machine. Things worked a certain way. You knew exactly where to go to get answers to questions and where to present information. And his style, of course, is, is very analytic. He is very detailed, thoughtful, and asks lots of questions and doesn't jump to make decisions until he feels that everything's been, uh, you know, thoroughly thought out. President Trump, of course, was very different than that. Um, you know, first of all, in starting an administration, uh, and this being his first time to government, there was a lot of issues that, frankly, just it wasn't clear the way that it should work. So there was a lot more freedom in the Trump administration and I had much greater access to be able to go directly to the president. And since I'd already been in government and I felt like I had a plan and a formula for fixing VA, I actually was able to use that to the veterans' advantage and being able to bring ideas and legislation and certain solutions directly to the president. And that first year, we got a lot done, 11 major bills through Congress signed by the president, making lots of progress because not only was there more direct access, but the president, President Trump, doesn't spend a lot of time uh, um, in the same type of analysis and depth in making decisions. His concern was, was this good for veterans? And if so, he gave me the authority to make those changes. And and speaking of uh, some of that legislation, uh, whistleblowers are in the news a lot right now. And I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about the accountability and whistleblower office you created and, and why that was important to you. Uh, one of those pieces of legislation that I just referred to was the Accountability and Whistleblower Act. And I feel like uh, that was an important part of the work that we were doing. And there were really two reasons why that uh, piece of legislation passed. The first was was that I felt as secretary I needed greater authority to be able to remove VA employees if uh, they violated the principles of the organization or were involved in um, incidents that, frankly, uh, in the private sector, I would have removed a employee from, from my hospitals. Uh, and um, so the accountability part of that gave us the ability to still do due process, something I believe strongly in, but to be able to reasonably move through the due process and come to a, a, a reasonable conclusion. But the second part of the bill was to create greater protection for whistleblowers because the history in the VA is, is that, unfortunately, issues do not often arise that should 
be brought up before people of decision-making where there are problems. And I think the wait time crisis was a good example of that. Many people in the organization knew that there was a problem with veterans waiting too long, but that information never made it up to the secretary. And so therefore, the decisions that should have been made earlier weren't made. And so giving the protection and letting people know that they don't have to be fearful and don't have to be uh, worried about retaliation was the purpose behind this bill. And uh, creating a special office, at least the intent of that was, was to give direct access to the senior decision makers so that the types of behaviors that had happened in the VA with retaliation would no longer be tolerated. And uh, another fascinating thing um, from your book that uh, I thought was pretty amazing was that during your entire tenure working on all these administrative functions and factors uh, and dealing with, you know, the administration and and maintaining um, care for the veterans, you also maintained your clinical practice. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, even as a hospital CEO um, in the private sector, I always made sure that I had time to put on a white coat and go and see patients. It's the only way that I know how to really be an effective leader, and that is is to understand what the impact of your decisions are on the people that you're there to serve. And in the case of being undersecretary and then a secretary, I continued to see patients uh, both in person, it happened to be at the New York City VA, but also by telehealth, uh, where I took care of patients in Grants Pass, Oregon, which is a rural VA clinic. And it helped me understand, first of all, the type of care that we were delivering to our veterans, but also what our employees were going through and what our systems were. So if I had to make a decision about an electronic medical record like I did, I wanted to make sure I actually knew what that electronic medical record did and I had used it before just making a decision based on information that, that, that people told me. And so it always has been an important part of me doing my job. I primarily see myself first as a doctor in helping my patients and then secondarily as a administrator or as a healthcare executive. Yeah, and I think that's a really... Um more of a transformational or servant leadership position that you took. And I I so often wonder how that might have clashed at times with the tr- more transactional style of leadership from the Trump administration. I think we did have a different style. One of the um, issues that I was disappointed in, I tried to get people that were in uh, decision-making roles, particularly at the White House, to come and to visit the VA with me, to actually go and talk to veterans and their families as they were getting care. Because I believe, as I said, that's really the best way to understand what it is that your decisions are having an impact on. And unfortunately, I just was never able to get the president or any of the senior White House people to travel with me to VAs. As secretary, I was traveling to VAs you know, all the time and going and visiting and touring and talking to veterans. That's where I got my inspiration from the men and women who uh, served as employees in these facilities and most importantly from the veterans themselves. And I was never able to get uh, these, uh, any of them to be able to come with me on those visits. Yeah. And, and, and then I did want to also ask you, I mean, ultimately you left the VA and I was wondering if you could maybe just briefly tell us about the circumstances of your exit uh, and your, and also your thoughts, um, which you touched on in your book on the future of government service. 
Yeah, the reason why I tell this story in such detail in the book is because of my concern about the future of public service and the environment that I see today in Washington. And like I raised my hand as a private sector executive, as a citizen, to be able to come and move to Washington and be able to help contribute to our government and to the people that it serves, I believe it's essential that other people are willing to do the same thing. And given what I see today and what I've experienced in the toxicity of the culture and the personal attacks on our public servants, on um, you know, essentially the ability to throw out allegations and all of a sudden they have a life of their own and it destroys people's reputations. If we allow that to continue, I worry deeply about how our government will function and ultimately that affects all of us who are citizens of this country. And so so in the book, I describe in detail so a reader can see the facts and make decisions on their own. I don't want to lead them uh, to those conclusions, but I want them to understand what this environment is like. I shared how a small group of political appointees that were in the Trump administration uh, decided to essentially sabotage my ability to lead the department with personal attacks against me and others, and ultimately led to me being fired by the president. And much of that issue uh, had to deal with political differences and political ideologies where I had said that I was unwilling to see the VA be dismantled and privatized and that I would stand up for my principles even if it cost me my job and ultimately I believe it did. Yeah, I do remember you uh, explaining when you stood up after Charlottesville after speaking to your daughter, I believe. Um, do you mind maybe just telling us quickly about that? Well, um, I believe when you serve, you have to be willing to stand up for what you believe in. And it is a duty to speak out when you see something that you think is wrong. When you uh, work for the president, you serve at the pleasure of the president. And so after the incident that happened in Charlottesville and the comments that came out from the president, uh, I obviously had some concerns about that and felt that it was my duty uh, as a citizen, but also as a leader in the cabinet, to speak out and to denounce those that were neo-Nazis and white supremacists, and that I believe that we have seen in history the mistake of when people stay silent and what can happen. And so I prepared my family. I had a discussion with my daughter who strongly encouraged me to speak out. And I said, I just want you to be prepared that this may be my last day when you speak out. If it's viewed as being disloyal to the president, the, that usually doesn't end up well. But um, I went to the national press and I spoke my mind. And, um, you know, fortunately, that wasn't my last day. I was allowed to continue to serve veterans beyond that. But um, but it became clear to people in the administration that I was going to stand up for the principles that I believe in. That I think that's I think that's amazing, um, and thank you for doing that. Um, it, I felt as as veterans as a group, uh, I thought that that was just very helpful and, and inspiring. So I appreciate that. And I'd also like to ask if you can tell us about your proudest accomplishment in your tenure at VA. Uh, I don't, I don't know whether it is a single 
incident that I'm proud of. I am proud mostly of the men and women who work in the VA every day, that they have stuck with this when it looked like the VA was under attack and that they continue to serve on a daily basis and watch and participate as the VA has now gotten stronger and done a better job at serving our veterans. And so having the opportunity to be the leader of these tremendous professionals that work in the VA, some 370,000 of them, uh, and watching the work that they do every day and being that person who represents them to veterans and to the American public, I think is something that I feel extremely proud to have had the opportunity to do. Well, speaking of the 370,000 employees, that is, that is, I think you compared it to, was it Walmart or Amazon? (laughs) Well, it's bigger. Um, Most people don't understand the size and scope of of the Department of Veteran Affairs. It's the second largest department in the federal government. The Department of Defense, of course, is bigger, but with 370,000 employees and a budget of over $200 billion. This is a very large organization, and it serves 20 million Americans who are our veterans. And so uh, I think it's important that the American public understand why this organization exists, the work that it does, and why it's important to be able to keep this a strong, sustainable organization. Well, I'm definitely 100% with you on the optimism and the dedication to the oath and the mission of the VA. And I I thank you so much for your service and your dedication to our veterans. And thanks for taking the time to speak with me today. Everyone, please, please check out Dr. Shulkin's book. It's called It Shouldn't Be This Hard to Serve Your Country. You can get it anywhere books are available. Uh, It's not only an important book um, about taking a a look inside the VA and how it works, but what it's like to work uh, for the VA in over different administrations. Dr. Shulkin, thank you again for being on Mueller She Wrote today. Thank you so much. All right. That is our show. Thank you so much for listening. Anybody have any final thoughts they want to share? I saw Lewis Black this weekend. Really? Yeah. I haven't seen him in so long. How was it? Yeah. He's, I mean, yeah, he's great. He did a very interesting thing where he did not say Trump by name once, even though he had a lot of material that was like very obviously in reference to him. So he refused to say his name and he refused to call him the president like his entire hour. Interesting. It was very Where'd interesting. Uh, the Balboa Theater in San Diego. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Yeah. Very interesting. And you recently worked, I think, at the store. Didn't Dallas just do a show there? Dallas. At the store. I think he did that the store that night that you were going. Oh, okay. Um, He's the one who, the origins of Beans. The oranges of beans. <laughs> <laughs> Two foods that perhaps make the worst combination ever. Ew. Beans and oranges. Beans and oranges. Yeah, that's not like a very good combo. No, it? it's awful. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Orange <laughs> beans. No. Mm. Unless you're talking about orange jelly beans. Ooh, oh, yeah. yeah. I like those okay. Yeah, those are good. Yeah, agreed. Um, but anyway, yeah, that was cool. Louis Black was, yeah, it was cool. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. I really like him. Mm-hmm. Anything? No, not for me. I uh, had a nice weekend spending time with uh, the wifey, and my dog got a groom and had a very cute bow. Ah, What color? A red one. Nice. Very cute. Yeah, I wish they gave me. us bows on our throats when oh. we got haircuts. I also... Um, <laughs> <laughs> throats. <laughs> Stick it in I with a... I don't want to blow it. I want a cute bow. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> 
<laughs> I've also I been just um, got groomed. I've also been watching. Actually, you know what? Here's the thing. Bows on our throat. Like, <laughs> my like my like uh, my anxiety management toolkit kind of like shifts every week, like depending on what I'm doing to like keep myself feeling somewhat calm. This week, it's like anything Ken Burns, mm. like. I've been falling asleep to the sounds of documentaries about the Roosevelt's, about oh. prohibition. Oh. Yeah, it's been, I've been learning a lot. I've been absorbing, I think. Yeah. In ah. my half half awake state. Osmosis. Yeah. So that's what I've been doing lately. I really cool. like to fall asleep to the sounds of like very slow moving documentaries. Yes. <laughs> I've been watching videos I took of jellyfish at the aquarium. Whoa. Oh. That's very relaxing. That sounds yeah. very nice. It that's is. probably a nice hashtag on Instagram. Oh. Hashtag jellyfish to follow. Oh, I yeah. bet. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I've been following a lot of hashtag satisfying videos. Yeah, I those are so satisfying. Love all of those videos. I love those too. Yeah, except I don't get the slime craze. I don't understand that either. Yeah, slime. But Wait, I'm very much water into balloon? sand. Did you see the water balloon crashing into the bowling ball? Yes, I love that. That a lot. is so great. Yeah, I love it's a that shit. Creepy, but it's really, really rad. It is. Yeah, it's very um, aquatic. <laughs> <laughs> Very jiggly, that balloon. It's Whoa. interesting. Makes you want to go to an aquarium. Yeah, it is. It's very like, yes. I mean, I'm just going to use synonyms for water. <laughs> <laughs> Viscous. Yes. All right. Well, uh, I, I've i got nothing else uh, other than I can't wait to see everybody in Boston. Yes. And thanks again to Dr. Shulkin for doing our interview today. Um, really appreciate his service. And that is it. So please take care of yourselves and take care of each other. I've been AG. I've been Jordan Coburn. I've been Mandy Reeder. And this is Muller She Wrote. Muller She Wrote is executive produced and directed by AG and Jordan Coburn with engineering and editing by Mackenzie Mazel and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, production and social media direction is by Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by AG, Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder and our knowledgeable listeners. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios and our website is MullerSheWrote.com. M-S-W Media. <laughs>